if you have your Bibles, open them to John chapter 14. We're in verse 25 through 31 this morning. So John chapter 14, 25 through 31. Let's read our text, then we'll pray, and then we'll begin. Jesus says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. But the helper, the advocate, the parakletos, the one that comes alongside your friend, but the help of the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. Verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Verse 28. You heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. And now I have told you before it takes place, so that when it does take place, you may believe. I will no longer, verse 30, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father, rise, let us go from here. If you had a set of notes, you're going to quickly realize that, that I'm going to work from, once we get going, I'm going to work from the end of the text to the front because I think it unlocks a lot of practical applications about what we can use and what we can learn uh, for in our own day, in our own time. But take note of these verses. Verse 25, verse 28, verse 29. And then if we did, say, uh, a parallel set of scriptures, we could look at John chapter 13, 1 through 3. And so when we look at all these verses, 25, 28, 29, chapter 13, 1 through 3, Jesus is going to say this to his disciples. He's saying, I am going, I'm going away. I'm leaving. But he just doesn't say that. He says, I'm going away. And then there's a, there's a promise, especially when you look in uh, John chapter 14, verses 1 through 3. It says, let not your hearts be troubled. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. I am going to go away in the literal, in this really stressed out parent. I, I, I've got, received so many comments on this. I am going to go away, and I am going to prepare an apartment in my house so that you could live with me forever. And the parents go, no, that's, that's not the deal. That's not the deal. It's like, it's, it's like grow up, leave, uh, grow up, find a spouse, leave and cleave so I can have some peace. <laughs> yeah, then we go, the parents are starting again. Amen to that. Amen. And so Jesus tells them that, that I'm going away, but I'm going to come back. 
So what we have structurally is we have how many promises in that little, little verse? We have two promises, or three, Kathy Peter. There's two that I want to talk about, okay? So one is I'm leaving, and the, the, the second bookend, yes, I understand there's another promise. One, I'm leaving, and two, I'm going to come back. And so the disciples, they have to live between those two promises. Can you say amen? You're tracking with me? We have some college students here. It's a, they're a little, you know, I, I understand the instructors are very repetitive, so I'll repeat it again. There's two, no, there's two promises. I'm leaving, and I'm coming back, and the disciples are living between those two promises. Say amen. Good Baptist, yep. We do the same thing. We live between the first coming, and in this, this time frame, and Rapture Man will help you figure it out. So we're living between the first promise and the second promise. And that's where the disciples are at. And that's why Jesus is going to come so tenderly to them. Because they are stressed. They are depressed. They are anxious. And they are feeling a sense of law, anticipating loss, anticipating future loss, which results in current anxiety, stress, and disappointment, even though they haven't experienced it yet. And so Jesus tells them, I'm telling you this before it happens, so that when it happens, you'll know how to live between the promises, because you'll have faith and belief and trust in the promises of God. How many believers live in that place? All of us. Thank you. All of us do. Between Nancy and I, we have eight grandchildren. It's amazing. It's amazing. We have two that are eight months old. They're called the what? The twins. They're amazing. They're beautiful. Rose and Rowan. And, and then we have uh, Bridget, who's a year old. And then we have Grace, amazing Grace, who's about three years old. And then we got Artie, and then we have Teal, and then we have Madison, and then we have the king of the hill, Lucas. Everybody loves Lucas. And Lucas is 10. And so what befalls upon Par is Par gets to, to watch them, you know? So they don't tend to leave me alone, so they have Nancy with me or Gavin with me because you just don't, just, he gets crazy. You just never know what he'll do. And so, so get to watch the kids, and they're all excited when, when Pa comes to watch them because they know they're going to get what? They're going to get spoiled rotten, and they're going to get filled with ice cream and candy and if you don't want to eat your meal, oh, we'll just, you know, go to the trash barrel and take off some trash and put the meal in there and then put the old trash. So when the parents come home, they're like, wow, the kids ate dinner. So, you, you know, you just let parents believe what they want. You know, it's just, it's good for them, you know. But, you know, you go through this sequence, you know, like 
They are enamored with par. Uh, they have uh, ice cream for dinner. And, and then around 5 o'clock, 5.30, they begin asking, where's mom? Where's mom? And depending upon their age, you know, you say, well, mom's going to be back soon. And they, and like, like Artie and Tim go, okay. And then they, they puddle around and then they, 10 seconds later, where's mom? Where's mom? And, and that sequence grows and grows and grows. And, you know, even the eight and 10 year old, they're the same way. Because they know all the fun's done and they want to know what? Where's mom? Even Lucas. Like, it's 6.30, where's mom? And so Lucas is pretty advanced. He goes, I want to call her. I said, you can't call her. She's, you know, she's out with dad and they're having a, a, a great dinner and they're so glad Pa's with you and let's find a new game. And so we go find a new game. We play that game for 10 minutes and then they say, what? Where's mom? Where's mom? We want mom. And, and even an eight-month-old, See, Gavin and I, when we were watching the four kids, we divided it up so it was even. So I had Rose, and he had the other three. <laughs> and Rose was great until about 5 o'clock. And the other, the, the, you know, uh, Rowan, he's chill. He's Mr. Chill Man. You know, he, he loves Daddy, and Daddy gives him a bottle, and... Rowan goes, oh, we're just good dad. And, you know, he's like a total chill man, you know, ice man. And, um, and, the, and the other two, they start doing what? Where's mom? Where's mom? And Rose is like, her, her head's jerking around. I, I never realized how strong an eight-month-old was. She could break my arm. It was like screaming and hollering and where's mom? And that's what she was saying. She was stressed. And then finally, praise the Lord, the phone rings and it's mom. And they get to have FaceTime. Where was that when I was raising children? This is totally unfair. <laughs> the disciples live in between the promises. Stress. Anxiety. Immature. My grandchildren will eventually realize at some point that when mom says she's coming home, she's going to show up because she loves her kids and knows her kids will miss her. They'll eventually come to that place of a confident maturity and a trusting that when mom and dad give them their word, they're good for that. The disciples, they're not so. Neither mature, nor wise, nor experienced. And so Jesus wants to minister to their hearts. I would say 
that even in my life, like even this week, there was turbulence in my soul. I'm happy to report it had nothing to do with anybody in this room. It was just my own stuff. And it was like, will you? When could you? Can I really trust the promises of God? The disciples are in this place where we live. We live between these two promises. How do we do that? And walk in a sense of, of all will be well with our soul. I shared at the beginning that we'd start from the end of the text, and that's what we'll do. Look at verse 30 and 31. For I could maybe say, I don't, I don't think it's hyperbole or stretch. Probably the most important thing to know, the most important thing to know that is true when you're living between promises. Because my, my default could be stress and anxiety, ice cream, more ice cream. Oh, the half, half a gallon's gone. Nancy, why, why'd you eat all the ice cream? Look at an essential, the key one, I believe. You look at verse 30 and 31, Jesus says, he says it again, I will no longer talk much with you, for the ruler of this world is coming. Who is the ruler, the prince in power of the air? Who is Jesus referring to? He's referring to Satan. When we look at Luke chapter 4, there's an interesting, after Jesus' temptation, it says the devil departed from Jesus and waited for another time to come back. And so Jesus was initially tempted. Did the devil get anywhere? No. But he didn't give up. And he's got this great plan that he's going to bring Jesus to the cross, and he's going to, he's going to get him this time. We're, we're comfortable with this story because we've read the end. We know what happens. The disciples, they're living between the promises. And so Jesus says, look, the devil's going to try again, but he has no claim on me. Why? Because Jesus is sinless. So there's no hook. There's no way, there's no way in. And Jesus tells them that, hey, when, when the devil comes, know this that he has no claim on me, but know this, guys, that I am going to fulfill the commandment and I am going to fulfill the promises that my Father has destined me to fulfill. What's the first point? The first point is that when you live in between the promises, know this, God is sovereignly 
in control of each and every situation in your life. His hand is always on your life. And no matter what may come, God will work it for the good in your life because he is sovereign and you love him. If you are secure in that, it opens the door to step into all the promises that God has for your life. All the provision of God's comfort, God's grace, God's mercies become accessible to you because you know the nature and character of God because he, what he says in his word is true and you can count on it. What's the lesson the grandkids need to learn? When mom says she'll come home, what? She's going to come home. What's the message we need to learn in between promises? That when we trust in God and we trust in his word and we trust and believe what he said is true, he's good for his word. And then when life and the difficulties of life come, these Paul calls it, I think, in Second uh, uh, Corinthians 4, he says, Paul's are designed to work in our hearts to bring us and prepare us for a greater glory. Jesus said to the disciples, this is what's going to happen before it happens. And he says, know this, when you see me on the cross and when you see me die, know that all is in the control and in the hand of my father. Because what happened three days later on Easter Sunday, he rose from the dead. When you're going through the difficulties that life and when you live in between the promises, know that no matter what happens in your life, God is in control. Look at the second promise that we see in verse 28. Jesus says, you had heard me say to you, I am what? See, the disciples are really slow. Jesus has to keep on telling them, I'm going, I'm going. And, and what do they say to him? No, you ain't going. Or they say, well, we don't know where you're going. And so Jesus says it to him again. Verse 28, you heard me say to you, I am going away and I will come to you. If you loved me, you would have rejoiced because I am going to the Father, for the Father is greater than I. So it's lots, it's packed with theology in this. How is the Father greater but they're equal in the Trinity? Philippians chapter 2. Jesus, fully God, fully man, humbled himself, and in his incarnation, positionally, the Father is greater, but not in essence and nature and character. They're the same. What is, Conway, what does it mean that I am going away and I will come to you? He's saying that you're living between the promises. And here we go again. We're going to ping off of the first one. If you recognized, he's saying to the disciples, if you recognize that I am operating in the sovereign plan of God for your good, for your benefit, 
for the Father's glory, but for your benefit, you will have joy in your life. If you know what I'm doing is for your good, Hebrews 13, for the joy set before him, Jesus endured the shame because he looked forward to being with his Father again. He said, if you, Jesus is saying to the disciples, if you could grasp that the Father is in complete control and that I am going to go back to him and I am going to send the helper, let's put it in context, I am going to send the helper and I am going to prepare a mansion for you. And all the parents said, I thought that apartment thing was too much, Conway. And then I'm going to come back and get you and you're going to live with me forever. What would that produce in your heart. I'll tell you what it produces in my heart. It produces joy. Because I know those that I have lost in Christ, that have died in Christ, nothing is lost if it's found in Christ. And so there's a joy. There's a reunion. There is a happiness. There is a glory that awaits those that understand God's great plan of redemption. There is joy in the heart. When we look at the text, he is sovereign. There's a promise of joy. Two more promises. There's a promise of peace. Look at verse 27. Peace. It's been great. We had, you had peel a man last week, right? What did peel a man talk about? He talked about peace. And then before, you, before peel a man, you had missionary man. Rapture man's coming next week. No, two weeks. We had Pastor Chris come. What did Pastor Chris speak about? Peace. What is God speaking to us as a church? Peace. Two words. Why does Jesus say, peace I leave with you? Two words. One out of the Old Testament. Hebrew word. The word for peace in Hebrew. You all know it. What is it? Shalom. It's a greeting. But it means a flourishing. It means, a, uh, in, in a sense, a all is well. And then Irene in the New Testament gives you a picture of, of something that was not connected, but is connected. Something that was broken, but is now healed. And what Jesus is saying when he uses this word for peace, Irene and Shalom, the disciples, they get it. That what was once was broken is now healed. Once was was estranged is now unified. Once it was disconnected is connected. Once where there was hostility, there is now now union and joy and happiness. He says, Jesus says, that's the peace I'm going to win at the cross. That's the peace where you are separated from God. I am going to bring the propitiation, the atonement to pay for your sin so that you could have union, connectedness, 
and so that you could flourish. Jesus says, peace I leave with you. It's what's going to carry them through. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And if we could say, how do we summarize that? Those words with one word, we would say grace. That the peace that we have from Jesus and the peace that we have with God is not something that's been bought. It's not something that we've worked for. It's something that we have received out of the love and the grace of God. And so when your world, and we all get there, the only people that don't get there are either completely medicated 24-7 or they're lying. Because we all get to the place where we're sad. We all get to the place where we're discouraged. We all get to the place where we're, let's use a fancy word, we're melancholy. We all get to those places in life where life ain't working. And when we get to those places in life that all ain't working, then we know God is sovereign and has a plan. He has joy for us and he has his peace the next section of the little verse goes that peace I leave with you my peace I give with you not as the world gives to you not contrast we could look at John 10 10 the thief comes to do what steal rob destroy that's, that's what the world does. The world, the world does this. Gives us a promise, but no fulfillment. Just leaves us hanging. The world does this to us. I said I, I, I was at the altar. I said I do. I, I said I do. Why did that person, why did they walk away? That's the world. That's the world. The, the, world, the world says, come, you know, just a little bit of sin. Oh, you deserve it. You deserve a little sin. Look at all you've done in your life. You just need some sin. Just a little smoke. Just, it won't just enjoy it. The, the, the world has a way of, I, I forget the word, I'm not a technical guy, but they have, what's the thing, like it runs in the background? Like the, all the things that match up what you search and all that? Who said it? Yes. If you've got a disposition towards sin, thank you so much. The algorithm will only give you more. Got a disposition to sadness? Got a disposition to conspiracy theory? Got a, dis a disposition towards, you fill in the blank. You start doing this once or twice, and then all the world, and the world, I'll leave this to 
not as the world gives. 26, and I will bring to remembrance all that I have said to you. Come with me to John chapter 20, verse 30 and 31. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. The last promise is the promise of the word of God. That the Holy Spirit would come and bring to remembrance. John testifies to it. John, John, John affirms it. The Bible we have is, is without error in its original documents. It is inerrant. Every promise is a promise in Christ. And every promise, all seven or 8,000 of them. I've read that. I didn't count each one. But depending on you read, seven to 8,300 something, they're all yea and amen in Christ Jesus our Lord. I was holding Rose. She was a wild woman. Reminded me so much of Becky. And then the phone rang. And she heard mom's voice. I thought her head was going to become disconnected from her neck. It's like, whoa. Mom! When we're living between the promises. God's word is true. He is sovereign. He calls each sheep by name. His sheep know his voice. They hear him and they follow after him. If you find yourself in those momentary afflictions, they are working in your life a greater glory. So that you could walk in the peace of God, the joy of God, in the security of knowing that God is sovereignly in control of your life. Amen?